time to me to say good morning to everyone and welcome to Thomas Risley this morning. I'm Helen, if you don't know me, and a warm welcome to everybody, especially if you're joining us for the first time or you're online, because I know a lot of people catch up later on. So it's great that you've joined us. Stuart's leading the service this morning, um, and Ron and Vanda are in the prayer room later after the service. Um, please feel free to stay after the service for a chat to catch up with each other, that'd be nice. And I've got two notices this morning, very exciting. One's about the AGM and voting for elders. Um, just to let you know, Brian, Tim and Colin are the three people who have been nominated and to be put forward to the church meeting, um, which is on the 18th of March. Um, as we're not physically going to be at church, Steve sent out some information about how we can vote online. So if you could have a look at that and get back to him if you're struggling or you need some clarification, that'd be great. Especially if um, there's two of you or three of you or four of you in a house that are voting, because um, that might make it a bit more complicated. But get in touch if you're not sure. Um, but the information is out there. Thank you. And the other notice is just to say that on Good Friday, oh, I think we've got a screenshot, have we, to put up? Oh, brilliant. Look at that. I printed it out to show you on the camera, but Colin's got a screenshot. So a Good Friday service with the church together in Birchwood. If you'd like to join us at three o'clock, it's going to be lovely. It's um, Well, I think it's going to be lovely. It sounds like it's going to be great. It's a narrated story of... Um, what happens on Good Friday and I know Vanda's put out a notice looking for readers so if you'd like to get involved so it's three o'clock on Good Friday and again love you to join us for that and I think that's everything so over to Stuart Good morning everybody and it's great to see you all and uh, we're going to start off our worship this morning with um something based on Psalm 19, which is the psalm for the day. It says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and the skies proclaim God's good work. Your law, O God, is perfect, reviving our souls, and your commandments are sure, rejoicing our hearts. Let our words and worship, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable to you, O God, our rock, and our Redeemer. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we offer ourselves as we come to you in worship now. We offer you our hearts and our minds and our very beings. We pray, Lord, that as we hear your word and take bread and wine, that we will be moulded more into the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know we can't do this on our own, but we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, make this time together a holy time. And may we know your presence and your power within us to share the love and the gospel of Jesus to the wider world. Thank you, Lord, that you're here with us and we praise your holy name this morning. Amen. And Tim and Anne are going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Say it together. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And we're going to sing together our song, uh, Remembering God's Wonderful Grace to us. We're going to sing, This is Amazing Grace. Breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory. The King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free
much. So it's birthday time. So has anybody got an upcoming birthday this week? Because we'd love to celebrate with you. Ooh. Steve <laughs> has got a birthday this week. Brilliant. Anybody else? Not shy about it. <laughs> Did you make that poster special? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. When is it, Steve? Uh, it's Saturday. Saturday. And have yeah. you got anything exciting planned? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> what it could be. Yeah. I suspect we're not going out for a meal, though. <laughs> Maybe a walk. Could be. Could Maybe. Be. So, um, we'll sing, Steve. Sorry, this won't be the highlight of your birthday, but here we go. Are we ready to go? <laughs> Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Steve, happy birthday to you. Enjoy your day! (laughs) Fantastic, happy birthday Steve. We're going to hear our readings now. Uh, Heather and Derek are going to bring our Bible readings for us. Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Amen. So the second reading is from John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. Jesus clears the temple courts. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show? What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciple recalled 
what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask you to open it to our hearts and our minds to transform us and to make us more like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're thinking about the foolishness of God, which seems to be a bit of a uh, almost a heretical thing to think about, really, to say, to think that God might be somehow foolish. Well, I, I guess it's, it depends on the perspective you're looking from. And that's what we'll be considering today is what, what is the foolish of God, God? What does that look like? Now, if we take it from a human level, human beings have the capacity to be incredibly wise. And sadly, incredibly foolish. And sometimes we're both. Uh, sometimes we're very wise and very foolish. If we think about it, we are wise enough to develop uh, vaccines that save the world from the diseases that, that are around. And yet sometimes we're foolishness to allow those diseases to flourish through poverty, through uh, through uh, people having not enough for that vaccine themselves or um, doing stupid things that cause the diseases in the first place. Or we can be wise enough to see the need for clean fuel, for getting rid of fossil fuels. And yet, foolish enough in our need for more to fill our oceans with plastic and to uh, continue to use those fossil fuels ourselves. Most of us want to have peaceful lives. So we're wise enough to need that. We, we see that that's an important thing. And yet, on a local level, perhaps we're foolishness to fall out with our neighbours over the size of their hedge. I guess you get the idea. We can be wise and we can be foolish on a massive scale and on a personal scale. And so what is foolishness? What is wisdom even? What does it mean to have knowledge, to have wisdom? Well, someone once said the difference between knowledge and wisdom Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. That's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Well, perhaps it's a bit more than that, really. Paul asked the question in our reading, where are the wise? Where are the clever ones? Where are they? Where's their answers? And I don't know about you, but when I was young, my mum always used to say I had an answer for everything. She used to, when I used to, uh, you know, when she used to ask me a question, why have you not done this or why have you done that? I would always have an answer. And I'm not sure that's the best policy. Uh, well, I learned that eventually. Well, maybe I haven't. But anyway, we think we have an answer for everything. And perhaps as we've developed as the human race we we're more convinced that our answer is the only one and the right one 
But Paul is asking the philosophers of the day, of those who were the thinkers, those who were the, 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 the people that spent their time with their heads in books or over parchments or considering the world as philosophers and how it all worked and how humans work with each other. And yet he was still asking, where are the wise? Do they really have an answer for the deep need within every human being? Can their answers help us to become more fully human? And the biggest things within us are to be loved, to be free from the things that hurt us, to know life in all its fullness, to see the recreation of the whole of creation into how God intended it to be right back at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. These are the things that I think we all desire and the people of that day and certainly today, we want to see these things. And yet the wisdom of the day cannot provide all those answers for us and couldn't then. There was no wisdom. We often have a lot of knowledge, but have wisdom. We know a lot and we seem to continue to know a lot as well, but we don't have very much wisdom with it. However, the wisdom we do have can be put to good use. But God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. So we're going to think about that. What is God's foolishness? What does that look like? Well, the biggest and most foolish thing anybody from the outside, and Paul was writing to the Jews, but also the Gentiles were were looking at this. The most foolish thing was he sent his son to earth. That God would come to earth to live our life and die. And probably more importantly, he died our death on the cross for us. Now, in that time, particularly Roman idea of foolishness and the Middle Eastern, the most foolish thing that could ever happen would be for your God to die. Gods were meant to be strong. Gods were meant to be all powerful, that they wouldn't just die. They, they don't just give themselves up. They might die in a massive battle. They might die uh, heroically, um, but certainly not as a criminal on a cross. Jesus dying on the cross was the most foolish thing for, for Roman thought at the time. God dying was ridiculous. This is God's foolishness. And if you think about it, the most foolish thing really is not that we have this massive triumphant God, but that we have a God whose probably main aim, his heart is love. And in the Bible, it says he has compassion. Now, a lot of the uh, those gods that they were, he was compared against, they had very little compassion. In fact, a lot of the Roman gods were pretty self-obsessed. They were selfish gods. But God, our God, had compassion. And what does that mean? Well, have you ever thought of the word compassion, what it means? It's com, which means with, and passion, which means 
hurting. It, it's not the way we understand passion today. It's it's with hurt. So he's with hurt. He understands our hurts. He's not a God that's a far away God who doesn't understand the human condition and, and the pain that we sometimes have to go through. Our God is a God who has compassion, who, who is with us, who, who feels our pain. And yet <laughs> we have this marvellous God who understands the human condition, who wants, who will bring about the changes, who will make us feel loved, who will make us feel free of the things that, uh, who will make us free of the things that hurt us, who can bring life in all its fullness. And yet still today is it's a stumbling block. It's a stumbling block to think that Jesus died on a cross. How can any God who is an amazing God, who can overpower the kingdom of darkness, who can bring life in all its fullness, die on a cross. Is our God puny? No. Because it takes strength to hang on a cross, to allow the sin of the world to be upon you and to die for those who uh, have no uh, right to have that salvation. Our God is not puny because we know also know the end of the story, but I'm not going to rush there because this is Lent and this is a time to reflect on the walk that Jesus took to the cross. The Apostle Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to all those who don't believe, but is the power of salvation for those who do believe. Put it another way. We have a picture. We see in, in the cleansing of the temple something that looks outwardly foolish. We see Jesus probably at his most mad. We don't often see Jesus as mad and perhaps we don't imagine him as mad. We think perhaps Jesus as, as a bit meek and mild, as, as one old song I think used to put it. But this is certainly not Jesus meek and mild. This is Jesus forming a whip and thrashing the people in the temple, whether he actually touched any of them, I don't know. But certainly he went in there and he upturned the tables. He, he threw everything out. He, he threw the coins all over the floor. He scattered the animals everywhere. And, uh, and he was pretty angry. Outwardly, that looks foolish. He's brought attention to himself. It would get Jesus noticed when perhaps it's probably best that he didn't get noticed. It would get him hated because a lot of those people, you have to remember, that was their livelihood. So he's actually told them to clear off because this isn't good, but uh, but that's their livelihood. So he's not going to make himself any friends. It could possibly even get himself arrested by the temple guards except that he didn't that, that didn't happen but he, he put he put himself at a huge amount of risk overturning the tables in the temple and yet from the from the, from a human perspective that seems foolish but from god's perspective there's a wisdom behind it if we think of god as a god of compassion one who cares for all the wisdom behind it was about including all those people who who were selling those animals at a hugely inflated price weren't including all. People wouldn't get past them. People that were poor wouldn't be able to offer their sacrifice or couldn't afford to. Or they were offering dud, dud doves 
that weren't make, didn't make the uh, the grade of uh, being sacrificial doves. They were fiddling people, particularly the poor people, out of the things that enabled them to come close to God. So Jesus, what looked like foolishness, was acting in a wise way. He was getting rid of the injustice and the greed in his father's house, at the centre of where faith was important, where people gathered to engage with God. He was restoring it to how the father intended he was also using it as a picture of how he was going to uh, give his life on the cross. When he, when he was asked about, oh, I will destroy the temple. He wasn't talking about the temple there. He was talking about his body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that his body would be broken and yet raised up after three days. In Jesus Christ, we see the power of God and the wisdom of God revealed. If we want to know what the wisdom of God looks like or even the foolishness of God, we look at Jesus and that shows us. And as we know, we are, as his disciples, called to be like Christ. We're to look like him and act like him and think like him. Paul says we're to be fools for Christ. Well, some for some of us, that's easier than others. Um, but we are foolish for Christ. Not that we do foolish things necessarily. It means our faith may look foolish to outside people. Our belief and trust in Jesus may look foolish. It may even lead to hardship, to pers persecution, to being laughed at, to being ignored by people. Yet, if you think about it, if these things happen, it means and perhaps it's a sign that the faith we have actually bothers people. If people just think we're nice people who just trundle along and that's fine, but don't actually think about the faith that's behind it, maybe we're not living out our faith foolishly. Just as Jesus did, it upsets their wisdom. It makes them consider that they may have their lives wrong. Our world today, unfortunately, is driven by consumerism, by materialism, gaining more and more stuff and perhaps by greed, by having more and more stuff or money and celebrity. That few seconds of fame that everybody craves. And this is so different from how Jesus lived his life. And again, this can be seen as foolishness. Jesus way is humility and compassion, generosity, sharing and sacrifice. So you can see the difference between the world we live in and the world and the way Jesus lived. And you can see the problem too. It's countercultural and it will seem foolish. Yet, somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is attractive it's different. People see in those who follow Jesus something that is different and it meets a need in the hearts of those who are longing for it. Because the whole consumerism, materialism, greed and celebrity is all about being noticed. It's all about having some sort of worth. People seeking worth in their lives. 
And the only way to truly get that is by putting our faith in Jesus. So we see the foolishness of God in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It has power. It is the power of God. And it reminds us that we're not alone in our struggle, in our foolishness. The Holy Spirit is with us. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Many today are seeking some sort of wisdom. Many today are hoping through buying stuff, through amassing wealth, through trying to get uh, noticed that they will somehow achieve something. But that's just foolishness, unfortunately. They think it's wise, but it's foolish. Some don't even consider the gospel of Jesus Christ. That too is foolishness. So it's up to us. By the way we live and show our faith, the actions of love that are built within us, that are shown to us from the gospel of Jesus, that those who believe in Jesus Christ, although it may seem the foolish thing in the foolish, most foolish thing in the world, is the wisest way to live. After all, how many of us, can any of us, think that we are wiser than the foolishness of God? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are so wise and your foolishness is so much bigger than the wisdom of humans. Lord, we know that giving your son on the cross to die for us and to rise again may look like the ultimate in foolishness, but for us, it is your power. So fill us with that power now. Help us to live out our lives, to point to you with mercy, with humility, with compassion, with hope and love in our hearts. So that we can serve others, seek justice and live our lives for you. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. And as we think about God being more uh, wise than we can ever imagine that even his foolishness is huge we are going to sing together above all powers above all powers above all kings above all and all created things above all wisdom and all the ways of man you were here before the world began above all kingdoms above all thrones above all Ever known above. 
treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're God of grace, you invite us to play our part as stewards of your world. That invitation has been offered to us and each generation who sought to live in relationship with you. As people who care for all your creation, we now bring our concerns for the world and its people. We look at the communities in which we live. And it's not difficult to notice the needs of those who live around us. We pray for those who are homeless. Firstly, for their safety. Being on the streets can be so dangerous, Lord. Secondly, we pray that there are support workers to help them through the difficulties 
and enable them to find secure and safe accommodation. We give thanks for the work of Room at the Inn and Wodak and all the organisations who work with the homeless. We also lift you, Lord, those who are in food poverty, awaiting a meal that will end their craving, their hunger. And we give thanks for the organisations such as the Food Bank, Community Larders, the Food Pantry. Lord, we pray that we are a church and a community that notices the need of those around us and works to support those in need. The last few months have been difficult for all those who live alone, those who are shielding. Loneliness has become a growing problem, with many not knowing when a friendly voice will reach into their lives and break the silence of their day. Lord, I pray that we can all play our part in helping our neighbours, bringing friendship and concern to those in our community and our church. We pray for our government as it continues to face the challenges of a changing world and for world leaders across the world, searching for a common language and a willingness to learn from each other. And we pray, Lord, that your wisdom is seen. We lift before you the work of this church as it connects with the community through the various organisations that still meet with us, in most cases virtually. We lift to you those who work with toddlers and those who attend. Those who work with Treats Coffee Shop and Lord, those who enjoy the fellowship that that brings. Our house groups. The organisations that continue to meet virtually. The Rainbows, Brownies and Guides. And we lift their leaders to you, Lord. We pray for Reverend Stuart Nixon and our minister, Reverend Jenny Travis. And we pray for the elders, Lord, as they prepare for the AGM due to take place later this month. And we lift that meeting into your care, praying for your wisdom on us all as we choose elders, as we, as we vote for elders. Within our faith communities, there are times when we struggle. Sometimes it's with each other. Sometimes we struggle as individuals through health or personal circumstances. We now lift before you all those involved in the Thomas Risley prayer chain, and the pastoral care group, giving thanks for their commitment to this ministry. We lift to you, the Lord, those who have or are in need of prayer at this time. Remembering those who've requested prayers from us this week. 
we lift to you the school staff as they prepare for and face the return of pupils to the schools. And we lift to you all returning to school. Some staff and children alike will be feeling anxious, others feeling relief, and some feeling happy to meet with their friends again. Lord, keep them safe and help us all go about our daily life with the safety of others in mind. And now, Lord, we just take a moment of silence as we lift you those who we know are in need of your healing and loving care. Lord, we pray your healing hand rests on them. Loving God, this week, Vanda sent us an email giving information around the church vision and brought to us the following words. We are here to be a beacon of God's kingdom in Birchwood and beyond and to inspire life in all its fullness through Jesus. Lord, in the days, weeks and months to come, help us to pray about where you want that beacon to shine and help us to hear you and put into practice the light of your love as we, the people of Thomas Risley, seek to be a beacon of God's kingdom in Birchwood. We bring our prayers in the name of your Son, our Saviour. Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we're going to uh, take communion together. Um, I hope you've got your uh, bread and wine or uh, your food and your drink, whatever you're using together. as we come to the Lord's table. So the table of the Lord is spread. It's for those who will come and see in broken bread and poured out wine, symbols of his life shed for us on the cross and raised again on the third day. The risen Christ is present among his people and it's here that we meet him. It's for those who know him a little and long to know him more. We invite all who are seeking him and all who are weary of their sin and doubt to come and share in this feast. If for any reason you don't feel like taking communion, please do stay amongst us and uh, and you don't have to receive bread and wine. But if you have your bread and wine with you, then we will share together. Let's pray. Lord, we're in need of you. We know, Lord, that sometimes, or perhaps even often, we get it wrong. We put our wisdom ahead of yours. We trust in ourselves and not in your guidance and your love. 
we keep things to ourselves. We don't share. We live out our lives almost in opposition to your good rules and laws. So for all these things we pray, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us and by the power of your Holy Spirit, turn us back to you, to your good ways. That we may live out our lives in all its fullness, in the fullness you have promised. Lord, we know that we can only ask this forgiveness through Jesus who gave himself on the cross for us. And it is in his name that we ask. Amen. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We're going to hear the words of the Lord's Supper. And this is from Matthew's Gospel. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not I, Lord. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. Let's pray. Eternal God and Father, we offer you our praise and thanksgiving for the creation of your world in all its richness and glory, for your gracious work of redemption in liberating the oppressed, renewing the weary and forgiving the sinful, for your calling of women and men to share in the work of salvation in the story of Israel and our story. For Jesus Christ, our Lord, the eternal word made flesh, sharing our humanity and revealing your love and compassion. For his life and ministry and word and action, his lifting up of the lowly and healing of the broken, for his redeeming death on the cross for all, of which this bread and this cup are the symbol and sign. And we thank you for raising him to life again and exalting him so that we might call him Lord as we offer him our allegiance and seek to share his way. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, powerfully present in your people and your world, for the fellowship of your church, for all the means of grace and the hope of glory. Living God, fill us now with your Holy Spirit, that as we share this bread and this wine, we may feed on the body and blood of Christ and be empowered for service in your world. Accept our prayers and thanksgiving in the name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world 
and the life of your people. Amen. And so we take our bread. Jesus said, this is the body, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in memory of me. Amen. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. Amen. And we say those words of uh, triumph and faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's pray. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that while we were far, still far off, you met us in your son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us so we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we sing our final hymn which is Christ alone, cornerstone.
the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on Him.